Hemshechayim Beis, page Ayin Hay, 75, volume 1, page Ayin Hay, 75, chapter 44. We're at the winding down the discussion of Mokim, of space. What is the definition of space? So in, in physical space, we have higher and lower. Those are the gradations of space. We have the measurements of width, length, depth. In spiritual space, or conceptual space, what he's been discussing is, it's all defined by intensity. The intensity and degree of energy, and the relationship, the spatial relationship of one entity to another. Because the cosmic order is not a horizontal one, meaning they're not all equal levels, def- different ten levels or worlds that are in different horizontal spaces, they all vertically also, the hierarchy, are distinguishable. And the three key words that he's using is degree, measure, meaning miut, which is the, the, the abundance or the lack of the ref, thereof of energy. Number two, closeness and distance, as he explained, is closeness closer to the top of the kav, which would mean essentially um, closer to the source, sensing the source. And that defines what we call mailamata, higher and lower. Just for the record, I've been doing a little research. And this is, you know where these ideas all originate from. So the discussion began, if you recall, in chapter... Discussion began... Time to close the front door, please. The discussion began in chapter thirty-three, and from there moved into a more detailed discussion, which began in chapter thirty. 36. But in truth, if you recall, really the concept of spiritual space, which is conceptual space, really began in chapter 31, where he defined it by the mathematical structure of Nukud the Kav and Shetach, which means a point, a line, and a plane, which um, is the basics even in mathematics. That's the basic definition of space. Everything becomes with a point, with a, with a point. In mathematics, a point has no space, does not occupy space, which means there can be infinite points in a line. Then there are, then a line is the, is the extension of the point. As they say, a line is the shortest connection between two points. It also doesn't occupy space. It does occupy space because it already has length. Length it has, yeah. It does, because it has length. Does occupy space? I mean, then nothing. Then, then the plane also doesn't occupy space. You could say nothing occupies space. A line is measurable. It's an inch or two or five. A point. What What are the measurements of a point? And then comes some line. Comes a shetach, which means an area, which is basically many lines. That's all two-dimensional. And then there's the three-dimensional, which he doesn't discuss here. 
That's how he began discussing the three levels of the ten spheres. The hidden spheres is the Nakuda. There it's all on the point that doesn't have yet uh, space. Kav is the line that comes after the Tzimtzum, which is, extends and has a higher and lower. And Shetach is when it spreads out and, and creates the, 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 the structure of whatever world or sphere we're talking about. I don't know what you mean by space. With space so compared to Nakuda, line has space. Line has length. It has a size. And, and a point does not. What do you mean by space? I mean, you can say all space doesn't occupy space. Spirituals, spirituality is what, what occupies space. It's not correct. It does. There are parameters. Here there are parameters. It's not correct what you're saying. It does. A line, the first, the first basics of geometry, the first thing they tell you is a point. There are infinite points in a line. Right? Right. Okay, and what, listen, you're talking semantics? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Anyway, so to go, it's a long discussion, but the real de- details of the concept of conceptual space began in discussion in 30, 30, chapter 33. And then. What page is 31? What page is 31? Chapter 31. 50. Noon. Noon. And then, and then 37, now he's winding down. Now, where, is, where does this all originate from? So it's a mimer. It's a mimer from Shabbos Parsha Re'eh, Mavarchem HaChedesh El, from the Alter Rebbe, Tov Kuf Ayin. Okay? Which would be the year 18, uh, 1810. Right? 1810, am I correct? Tov Shenayin would be 1810? Hmm? Before yeah. Now, now, yeah, 2010, 1810. Right. So in 1810, the Alter Rebbe said a which then became partially printed in, in the Kutat Torah. The Kutat Torah doesn't talk about the space element, but the Alter Rebbe also said a beer on that mimer. He often would say a mimer and a beer, an explanation on it. And the Mitla Rebbe wrote Hanoch of it. So we have it from the Mitla Rebbe, and then we have the Tzamech Sadek from the Rebbe Marash and the Rebbe Rashab here. So it originates in Alter Rebbe, and it's fascinating to see how it evolves, the discussion of conceptual space, starting from the Alter Rebbe. But the basic principles are there, and he uses the Eitz Chaim that he's discussing here, the Eitz Chaim that says that in Chochmah radiates Eirein Sov, the divine light, the of Mokim, up close. In Bina, it's distant. In Midas, in Zah, it's like through a window. This is the expression from Eitz Chaim. And a malchus is like through a nekov, a nekov, through like a hole, like a wormhole. Then it continues and says, Ambiyah, it's like through a curtain. But here he's been focusing on those four. four, four. So there, right there, the Eitzchayim you see is, the, is distinguishing them in the context of space. Close, distant, window, hole. So he's been discussing at length here, basically the first two really. What, was, what is Kiruv and Richuk? Essentially explaining two things, two key elements here. That Chochm and Bina are distinguished, number one, by the level of energy, intensity of energy. That's what means close and distant, meaning how close they are to the source, with Chochmah sensing the source more than Bina does. And the second thing, they're, dis- they're fundamentally two different entities. With Chochmah being Ayin and Bina Yesh, as he explained, the Chochmah senses the essence of an idea, 
And Bina is only the extension or expression of the idea. And then he moves on, last chapter, we learned 50, 43, the same thing, Midas, it's even more diminished, because Midas already doesn't have the intensity that the intellect has, he explained different ways it doesn't have it, it doesn't have the same connection. Once you're already excited about something, he says any excitement is outside of the essence. So even though excitement brings you close to something because you relate to it, but it means that you're not one with it. When you're one with something, you don't get excited about it. You are it, essentially what he said. And then Malchus is the most diminished state. Like the moon doesn't have any light of its own. So this, is, this as I said, is a mimer from Tov Kufayin, printed in the Alter Rebbe's mimer from Tov Kufayin, and also in the Ninyonim, Mimer Chazal, he has a mimer in it. The Mitla Rebbe, wrote that, and then said it himself, Tovkov Pehei, 15 years later, which would be, uh, what, if 1810, that would be 1825. Uh, the Tzemach then writes this mimer also in Veschanon, and also in, on the Siddur, an explanation in this discussion. The Reb Marash, I found it in Elsa Elul, Tovresh Chavzayin, which means uh, 1766, and Tovresh Chavtes, which would be 1769. And here the Rebbe Rashab, the first, I think the first place I found it was Tafresh Mem Zayin, which would be 1877. And now in Ayin Bey, 1912. So if you really go through it, you have is a, in 1810, 1825. It's not clear, I'm not sure what year it was. Um, but that would be like in the late uh, 19th century. You know, Tzimach Tzedek lived till Tafresh Chavav, which was uh, till 1820, till 1866. Then you have uh, 1877, 1867, uh, um, 1869, and then the other years I mentioned, 1876. So it, I, I, I'm, I'm, in part of the tools of NineBase.com, I'm putting up, I'll put a hope of the whole evolution. I want, well, my real dream is to trace every idea in Ayin Bez all the way to the source, so to speak, the first place in Al-Tureb and show how it evolves. And the Friedrich Rebbe, or Rebbe? Yeah, they, they, they continue, they continue. I didn't really, the Friedrich Rebbe I found it in a mimer in Tzadik Dalet. Oh, you did find it? Yeah, yeah, the Friedrich Rebbe. The Rebbe for sure has, I didn't really look the Rebbe. But the, 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 for sure, they all, they all, usually these things somewhere emerges. Friedrich Rebbe is in, in Tzadik Dalet, he adds things to it. that Tzadik Dalet, which means, in, I think, Ein Arech Lecha. Ein Arech Lecha. It's in Tzadik Dalet. Tzadik Dalet would be the year uh, 1934. And the Rebbe, I have to look up. I'm not sure. The Rebbe probably has it in several places. So in a full study of it, yes, you'd want to see how the Alter Rebbe established it and how each Rebbe added a component. There's no question here in Ayin Beis there's more detail than all of them before. Um... Ayin Bezes and Rebbe Rashab are a critical component because the Friedrich Rebbe and the Rebbe, in most cases, add, add nuances and details. The Rebbe Rashab is like the Rambam. He actually takes like what, what the Rambam does to the Gemara and, and a full-bodied picture. And then the, and the Rabbim after the Rebbe Rashab would add details, in most cases. Obviously, there are times the Rebbe or the Friedrich Rebbe could take something and, and like really develop it. But the Rebbe Rashab is the main developer, so to speak. Uh, because he gathers it all together and elaborates. I mean, here we just finished ten chapters on this, so that's where we're up to. So then, as he concludes, the last line is: "Vzeod es esfiras kulo emchines dis dischalkus b'demayla mata." 
which is the last line of chapter 27, um, 43. So this is the in structure of Mailomata. This means conceptual higher and lower. And that is the idea of, as I said, intensity or fundamentally different levels. So now we continue chapter 44. Okay. Page 257b. That every Svira has has a type of consciousness or Shemidia could be even a Shemidia Shemidia could be a knowable a conscious description I have to check up with this Shemidia probably means Shemidia 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 a known quantity, basically, a uh, identifiable, distinguishable, identifiable description or name, umida, and a measurement ugvul and a parameter, tchum, and a boundary. So we see here four different expressions of describing how the, each sphere has parameters. So he's like, as I said, he's tying it all together, and he's explaining v'yeshlemer. And we can say, the, what are the difference between these four different measurements? We just said it has a description, or say a definable, a, 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 a identifiable description, or consciousness, a measurement, gvul, a parameter, and utchum, and a boundary. So yeshleim edemide hu hamedide which means measure, is referring to the essential essential um, definition of the Mohus Madrega sphere, of the essential level of the sphere. Like we said earlier, no, not the energy. He spoke earlier that there are two different things. There's the distinction between one sphere and another is intensity of energy. Another is that they fundamentally are different. Because you could say, he made a whole case chapters before, you could just say that Bina is diminished Chachma. And Midas is diminished Moichin. And he said, no. They're fundamentally different. And that's why one is diminished to the other. So they're not just lesser light. They are fundamentally different entities. in their root. So he's now defining. Then there's a second thing. As a matter of fact, there's a whole chapter where he says that it's actually because they're fundamentally different. That's why their energy intensity is different. Because their personalities are different. This would mean that, in other words, it's not, it's not, it's not horizontal structure. It's a vertical structure. But not just vertical as in diminished energy, but actually different entities. She says, Medida is when you say the fundamental distinction between one's and no, he's calling it Mida. He said, that's Mida. Yeshlem the Mida who am a Dida Beetz and Mohus Madrega Sasvida. Shachachmi be Mohus Madrega Kazu, Abin Mohus Madrega Cheres. 
A Chochmah is a certain type of entity, personality, an identity. And Bina is a different type of identity and personality and level. Ukahai Gavna, etc. And the same with the other spheres. Ukahai Gavna, Bechola spheres. Nashim Chulokim, Be'etzim Adrei Gosom, Ze'inyan Mida. The same thing with other spheres, where they're distinguishable in their fundamental level, but one is different than the other, that's the meaning of what the Zayar says, the word Mida. That defines Mida. And so it appears, the Pirish Haramban, from the Pirish Haramban, the Ramban has an explanation, a commentary on the Book of Formation, Sefi Yitzira, Pedek Aleph, Maimer Hay or Mishneh Hay, Mishneh Hay. What does it say there in Sefer Yitzira? Midosan Eser She'en Hamsof. That the ten spheres are measured. Midosan, their measurement is ten. That have no end. The Kosav, the Ramban explains. What does that mean? Even though these things, meaning the spheres, have a measurement, a shear, a um, a shear would be a, uh, a measurement, a measured amount and mida and, and parameter. What are those midas? They're ten. Yeah, that midah which each one has does not have an end. In other words, he's saying generally they have the parameter and the definition of ten. But in each midah itself, it's endless. That's how the Ramban says. So the Rebbe Rashab is saying, Nira, from this appears, the Indian Mida, according to the Ramban, the Indian of Amida, because that's the language used in the Sefer Yitzhida, the Indian Mida, who be'etzim amuhus. The Mida is refers to the fundamental nature of the entity. And this they divide into ten. Let's analyze this now a bit. How do we see this from the Ramban? Mm-hmm. Because you could you could have a different type of you could have a different type of interpretation. You could say midasan eser that their parameter, their measurement is ten, is simply the a number. It's like ten apples. It doesn't necessarily talk about their personality. It's just, a, it's just a value matter. And it could have been 11. It could have been 12. But from the, from the fact that the Ramban interprets not like that, he says that these, these 10 spheres are fundamentally measured by 10. And each one has an end, are endless. So from there, it, it appears that he's not just talking about volume. One, more, 10, 11, 12. But he's talking about a fundamental parameter. Of the entity called spheres, and then he's explaining now the second half of the Ramban. And every mida, meaning every one of these ten, is endless. So in other words, they have a fundamental parameter called ten, but each one, like Chesed, goes endless amount of Chesed, Gvura, endless amount of Gvura. So if you ask, what's the measurement? The measurement is that they are fundamentally structured by 10. 
Now, in comparison, who's another commentary on Sefer Yitzhah? Haraivid Zal, the Raivid on the commentary on Sefer Yitzhah, Mefarish Shom Inyan Ensov Inyan Eser. I have to look inside to really understand because the Rebbe Rashab is basically analyzing the two commentaries on the Sefer Yitzhah. The Raivid he's saying explains there that Inyan Eser be Inyan Eser. According to the Ramban, the 10 is 10 and not 11. And each one extends endlessly. According to the Ravid, he's saying, he explains the S ain't safe in the 10 itself. Notice when it says in the, the Sefi Yitzirah, Midas Nesr She'en Lam Sof, the Ain Lam Sof is an extension of the Midas Nesr. According to the Ramban, it's two separate things. There are 10 spheres. Each one, She'en Lam Sof, not that the 10 has no end. Each one of the ten has no end. According to the Ravid, apparently, is what he's saying here. I would have to look it up inside to be 100% sure. He's saying they're measured as ten, and that ten has no end. Whatever that means. Meaning either that the ten itself, um, once you have the ten, they extend as a whole endlessly. Something like that. Yeah. Again, it's very brief here, and I didn't look it up, so I don't want to say conclusively, but, but clearly. But then he adds, "V'nidu shezel mashakos v'namban zal achaza ki hamutfa." That he's saying, he's reconciling that. Apparently, he's saying that's what the Ramban afterwards writes in the words "ki hamutfa." That the Ramban basically is also including what the Ravid says. So initially, there are two different interpretations. See, according to the Ravid, however, you can't say that's necessarily etzemolchus. You could just say midas and esa is just saying they're. Their definition is 10. But you're not talking about their fundamental personality, that it's a structure of 10. According to the Ramban, the word Midas clearly shows that there's something fundamentally, essentially about 10 that's relevant here. That's what he's, he's just basically proving the word Midas in Zohar is referring to the essential level, not its volume, or not its... Um, qualitative. Or, or its qualitative. Uh, it's qualitative, exactly, not quantitative. Right. According to the Ravid, you could say it's more quantitative. It's ten. And those ten are in soft, whatever that means. Basically. Okay. I want to definitely look it up. I'm going to look it up inside because it's very abstract here. But it's very thorough. That's clear. He's given a proof. Now he goes to the next language. The next thing in Zayah says, Gvul and Tchum. What's Gvul and Tchum? He didn't mention it. I don't know. We'll see. The Indian Gvulat Chum, and what is Gvul and Chum? Because generally Gvul and Chum are two words for the same thing. Gvul means a boundary, and Chum means a boundary. You know, Chum is the boundary between two entities. So. He's going to explain that. So it says, That's a Pesach, I believe, in Parshas Chukas. So the Kutatera from the Arizal, from the, I'm sorry, from the Alter Rebbe, explains in the Pesach, the Beer, that Gvul and Chum is one thing. But still, he's using two different expressions. So clearly there's some distinction. Many times I may mentioned this, the thing called Shem Hanefel. The names that used separately can mean the same thing. When you use together, clearly they distinguish. For example, uh, you have stars in general, 
are called Kechavim, Kechav. Yet there's a star that's called Kechav. You know, so you have a lot of things like that that have a general name, and then there's a specific name. So Yesh Leimer, we can say the Gvul Gvul defines the definition Gvul Hagbala, the limitation in the in the in the measure of revelation. If it should be in abundance, increased energy, or, or, or diminished energy. on the other hand, and Tchum adds a definition, a a a confinement and hefsik. And a uh, impediment, not an impediment, hefsek would be where it stops. Interruption. The interruption. The interruption. That comes through the containers. Ah. So gvul is from the air. Gvul is referring to the air's fundamental, how much of it is going to reveal, how much is it not going to be revealed. And chum is already what the containers contribute to the, to the definition and parameter of the entity. Let's read it all, and then we'll uh, we'll analyze this. I just want to see because it's very technical here. He's breaking it down to technical structure of the spheres. Like it says in Biryazer, Amaimer means like on the Maimer of Zer. Zer page one eighteen b. And what it says, that I will confine you in in uh, boundaries. He says the that comes from the containers. And this is the union of the mute of the diminishment in the sphere itself. That its energy gets diminished in its lower levels, in order for there to be emanation of the spheres that are below it. This confinement, this limitation, this is comes from the containers. So the gavul that we just said was Oh, it was two different gvuls. Well, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't explain it yet. Let's first read what he says, and then we'll understand it. Being that the containers, just as they confine the energy, that it should become a mitzvah's dover, that it should become a discernible, a, a tangible entity. Same thing, they also limit its flow, its extension, and saying, come only till here. It's like setting a boundary. Only here and not further. And look at what we discussed later, chapter 288. Okay. He doesn't explain the difference, but based on earlier memorandum, where he talks at length about the structure of Erpnimi. If you recall, the main 
emphasis here in Ayin Beis was not just that the containers define Chesed, Chochmah, Bina, Chesed, Gvur, and so on, but also the energy has in it, Eir also has within it Chochmah, Chesed, and so on. And he brought different proofs for it. The first proof was Achlifah Duchtayah with Shammai and Hillel, that they hear from the same teacher the same idea, and yet one takes Gvur out of it, one takes Chesed out of it. So you have to say the idea contains both elements. And when you go back to the teacher and review the idea, the revisit the idea, Shammai could end up sometimes, in a few instances, actually being lenient because he's able to define that element of Gvura, Chesed, within the idea. And he brought, he elaborated at length how that's rooted all the way in the ten hidden spheres, how God envisions existence. That is also on the energy level, not just the containers. And earlier on, there was a discussion also, what is the gvul of kalim? Does it mean that they actually are defined, or they just stop the flow from flowing beyond atzillus? Which means they confine, like he gave the example of the hand. When you start writing letters, the hand only conf- doesn't, the hand doesn't stop the flow of the power for you to write infinite amount of letters. It just stops the flow from actually expressing itself on paper. But the hand itself remains only a kayach hamagdul. It's only, it, it, it's in other words, it's itself not gvul. It's only like a uh, filter or a, um, a channeler, but not itself. Or you can say that the, the, the kalim itself are gvul. We discussed this earlier. But relevant to us here is, however you t- explain it, Oyer is definitely has in it some type of parameters. But that's what he's calling here gvul in Zayhar. And tchum is what the containers impose. And clearly makes it, like you said, more tangible. And also, that the flow should only go till here and not further. So in a sense, you could say Mida, as he said before, from the Ramban and the Ravid, the Ramban primarily, Mida, the Mida is ten. So they're fundamentally ten different levels. But their flow is endless. That's step one in the Zayar. Gvul adds that their flow has measure, but only from the level of energy. And Tchum adds what the containers that really cre- really create the true p- parameters and boundaries. So you have here all three things, all the, basically three levels of Gvul within the ten spheres. That's why the Ramban was so vital here, because the Ramban is basically saying the Midah part uses the word Midah, Midoson Eser, that means that they're fundamentally ten levels. But you could say their flow and intensity is bligvu. They keep flowing. Whether it's like the Ramban says that each one, or like the Ravid says the whole ten is in, in a type of free fall or free flow, free flowing. I mean, he doesn't spell it out, but it sounds to me very much like the three levels, the ten hidden spheres. The way God envisions the structure is very much ten sphere ten. But they're ain't less off because they're complete pshittas there. They have no they have no definition, if you recall. That was in the Kudak of Shetach. The ten spheres on that level have a measurement. They're Kayakvul, they're they're ready defined, they're ten and not infinite spheres. But those ten don't have any parameters. That's why you need the Tsimtsum. The Tsimtsum is what's going to limit them. The Tsimtsum then creates a discernible ten spheres, but that's more on the energy level. And then when they come into Kalim, the third level, if you remember, that was the three levels that he spoke about, is that's when the Kalim impose their limitation, and that's when they, the spheres really become defined. So though he doesn't say it, but it sounds like Midda, Gvul, and Chum 
sounds very similar to the three levels. Now, what shame yidiyah is? Isla sham yidiyah. I don't know if it's sham or shame. I think it's shame yidiyah. It could be it's a general term. Maybe, I don't think, does he explain it later? I don't think so. But but it could be it's a general term just as a general description. That every sphere has has a definable or, ident- or has an identity. Okay? And then he says, because he doesn't define what it means Shem Yediyah as, as opposed to the other three. So my understanding is that. Okay, well, let, let, again, I would want to look this up in the source to see if there is anywhere explanation of that first word Shem Yediyah. So we have some homework to do in this chapter, okay? It doesn't even mention Shem Yediyah. Huh? Ketzer doesn't even mention Shem Yediyah. Fine. We learned that later okay. the shame is uh, uh, the well, maybe it's not shame, but it's shame, the, the knowledge Sham. of the, these three things. But then it says, umida. Then it would say, that. anyway, I, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll, it's, it's fine, listen. There's nothing wrong with uh, with with studying something and then, then analyzing it further. Okay, Are so. you suggesting that there's a one-to-one correspondence between mida, vul, and, and tichum yeah. with nakuda, it appears so. Again, he doesn't spell it out. I have to see what he says afterwards. But it's very, very awfully similar. Because he said before, he said there's three levels in the essence spheres, in the earth, how it evolves. It's the way it's envisioned by God in God's, what he calls, like the artist can draw infinite amount of images and he chooses to create the world as we know it, which is ten spheres. But there's a level of spherus enkets. So that's the first. But there, you can't call it in any way a gvul. All you can call it is, within the God's mind, he's envisioning the vision of ten spheres, basically. That he called nakuda. Then comes the tzimtzum, and conceals all the other possibilities. So now you have discernible ten spheres. That sounds very similar to what gvul is here. Ten eris. But you cannot, they have not yet found their resting place in a structure. Then comes level three, that shatach that he calls, when the areas come into the kalim and atzilus, and now you have mabina. Now you have a a adama elyon. You have a structure of a of a that would later become b'tzalem d'muz that we are created in. It's similar to like the kaychas hanefesh as they're in the soul. The faculties in the soul, then as they become distinct faculties, and then as the faculties manifest in the containers of the body, the eyes, the ears, and so on. That's I, again, it's intuitive what I'm saying because it doesn't actually say it, but it sounds so very, very similar because the for last two for sure, Eris and Kalim. So there's etzim mochus. What what defines chachmas? Chachma. That's an essence of Agnusis already. God already envisioned what He wants chachma to look like. But as far as intensity of energy, there chachma bina, they're flowing. Endlessly, they're eser, but like ain't safe because they don't. They, they just uh, once the tzimtzum takes over, meaning once the tzimtzum conceals, then the day become chachma becomes a definable chachma. It's still flowing pretty ain't soft, but it's not. But it's already now no longer the way it is in the source. Whether these three are actually those three, I can't say for sure. But you know, if not, regardless, it seems that these three are definitely gradations. Higher and lower, because the last is, is Kalim, then is Eris, and before that is the Etzim Mohus. I mean, this can be analyzed at length, but this sounds very similar to what I just, I think it sounds like that. Okay, so now he goes like this. 
the clawless amididabesis fitis and this general structure, the general measuring, the, the, the ruler, the yardstick in the ten spheres comes why the kav hamedid is through the kav. Remember, we spoke earlier, the kav doesn't just carry energy, it measures energy. What do they call when they, in, in, in cooking? You have a thing that, like, uh, you use something to measure the amount that you actually put into the food. A measuring cup. A measuring cup, right. So kav hamida is both a, it's both a yardstick, it measures, and a measuring cup, and actually is the carrier. It's like, it is the carrier, it's like the pen. The line, the thread that actually carries. It's like the, um, what was I going to use? What was the, it's the easel of the artist. Not the easel, the brush. The brush of the artist that both measures. There was a whole discussion about the kav earlier, if you recall. The kav has both elements. That one hand, it's connected to the air and similar to God's, to the me'in ha'moyer, the energy before the tzimtzum. But at the same time, it's a kav. In a way, yeah, but it's but it's, it's the brush and then the strokes. Yeah, she so says all this comes through a kav. She made it a funny hagiluyim be'essus that measures the way the revelations will will be will enter into the ten spheres. and creates within them the higher and lower. Their gradations, their hierarchy. In the level of the of the intensity and the diminishment of the energy and the revelation. Someone wrote to me that the Higgs boson that they just discovered, someone said to me, maybe it's like the, the root of it is the Rishimo, because it creates mass. The main thing was they were looking for this final elementary particle that what gives mass to, to, to existence. So someone said to me, it's everywhere, it's invisible. So it's like the Rishima, maybe. I think based on Ayin Beis, it sounds more like the the Sheder Shagvul in the Eris. I'm just throwing that out. But it's, because, the, because what it does is, remember, Er Nasa Keli. The thickness within the energy creates mass. So it's invisible because it's inside the air. You don't see it yet. But on the other hand, without it, Kalim would never emerge. So you could interpret, look, I have to study a little further, but based on what I've read with the Higgs boson, basically they say it's an invisible particle, but when it interacts with the other particles, it gives them mass. So what, that sounds awfully similar to what the Kav does. It was the basic, it was the basic particle that came about in, in, in the first micro, micro second. Yeah, but, that's, but, but, but its purpose is, what does it do? Energy in the ore? That's possible. Or maybe it's the Shoshakelim and the Rishimo. I think it sounds a little more like in the air. That's what it looks to me. I'm talking about the root of it. Remember, that's a physical particle at the end of the day. It, it, it came right in the beginning of the Big Bang, but what its purpose is, why would they, how they predict it? They predicted it because in, their, in, the, in the classic model, remember it's all theory, based on the standard model of the atom, one thing lacking was what gives it mass. Why doesn't it just all fall apart? What the glue? Nobody, there's no particle that creates the glue. It's like, it's, like what can, it's like taking a bunch of pieces and putting them together. Why should they stay together? So, so Higgs predicted that there is some type of particle that's like the, the keeping them together. 
Now, to find that particle, they all assume you have to go back to the earlier stages. That's why you needed to have this collider to so-called sim- simulate what happened in the early stages of this of this emergence. Some call they called it. There was a book called the God Particle which all the, obviously, non-believers are very disturbed at that. As a matter of fact, I just read an article called The Godless Particle, right? You said that in Newsweek. That's actually the opposite. This is all proving that they don't need a God. That's their whole point. Look, the, the debate will always rage. You know, from my point of view, you don't want a God, you're going to not have one. But if you want a God in the picture, it all makes more sense with a God. Because, obviously, yeah, of course, God, we all agree, the biggest believer that God created the universe with the system. So the fact that you find more particles doesn't mean there's no God. It just means God wanted it to be with HaSeichel. This would always bother me about the, the, the scientific conclusions. Even if, if Darwin was right about, uh, about natural selection and other stuff, yeah, that gives an excuse to someone who doesn't want to have God that he can explain it another way. But it doesn't mean that God could not put it that, created it that way. What's wrong with God putting, you know, the, like this type of atheism? You know, Darwin held back his theory for 20 years. Because he was afraid of that. I think it's a very Christian view. It's not a Jewish view. What's the problem to say that animals evolve over time? Why, why is that a problem? Where does it say in the Torah otherwise? It said God created creatures. Yes, an animal won't become a human being. That we know. Fine. But everything else? An animal should adapt to circumstances and grow longer eyelashes because it's, that's God's wisdom. That's a, or a tree. A root, the roots of a tree will follow its water, reach for water. What's wrong with that? God created the system with Seichel. So for me, science has always been proof, even more proof of the intelligence behind it. I understand that, you see, because the religion they grew up with was a very supernatural and very superstitious religion. A hurricane means God got angry, quoted a hurricane. Now that we have a natural explanation, you don't need God anymore. Our point would be, no. The natural explanation is the way God creates a hurricane. He does it through natural means. He doesn't just send a hurricane from heaven. He creates weather patterns that build up, and then there's pressures, and so on. The Rebbe said this about, I remember the Sikha, it was a Pegisha Sikha, it was uh, 75, Shlach. Very interesting. You know, every, uh, then, and both Shlach and Vayeshev Miket, Chanukah time, would be two Shabbosim a year, where the Rebbe would speak scientific matters because it was a Pegisha. Students would come. So that year, the Rebbe talked about two things. He talked about computers, in 75, Shlach. It's in Hanukkah, it's, it's Sikha's Kodesh. And he talked about liquid levana, the lunar eclipse. There was a lunar eclipse then. With that printed in the Chelik Tazvav. The Rebbe has the famous question. It says in the Gemara, lunar eclipse is a bad sign for Jews. Solar eclipse is a bad sign for not for the for the non-Jews. The Rebbe said, today we know it's all predictable. It's not like suddenly a bad sign and God sends a lunar eclipse. A lunar eclipse can be predicted to the end of time. And the Rebbe brings all the different explanations, and the Rebbe's answer was very simple. It doesn't say lunar eclipse is bad. It says God built into the system predisposition, like just like Chaydeshav is a sadder month, and you don't do certain things. It's not, it's not, it's not a predestined bad month that you have to, things are going to bad things are going to happen. God forbid. The Rebbe said it's a predisposition. So God placed into the world predispositional times that when there's a lunar eclipse, it's a time to do tshuva and stuff like that. And not a lunar eclipse only appears when things are going bad. So that's the Rebbe's basic explanation. But you said he also spoke about uh, evolution there? No, no, no. Computers. 
no, no. The Rebbe speak in letters, in letters. I don't remember speaking. In le- yeah, yeah. I mean, the Rebbe once said, Tishabov, he once said that uh, Tishabov had an opportunity to speak to his teacher about things that were not Torah because he don't learn Torah. Right. Says so his teacher would learn Torah secretly, but when he was with the students, there was an opportunity. So the Rebbe said that he once brought up to his teacher and says that he read that scientists are saying that we come from apes. The Rebbe said this in the Fabrenga, and his teacher said he called the Rebbe by his first name. He said Mendel. What, some people want that type of yichus. Let them have it. What do you care? That was the answer the Rebbe said. Yeah, what's the Rebbe's answer? What you just said, it seems very self-plausible that evolution doesn't... You know, there's nothing wrong with having evolution. Within a, there would be nothing wrong even, by the way, there would be... Of course not. No, I'm just saying... See, see, if you don't want to believe in God, science definitely gives you... An ability, you know, basically just pushes off the question, like right. instead of what's the first ball of gas? Because right. it gives you explanations till there. But they still got the problem, right. well, who created the first step? Relevant. Right, at the end of the day. But t- technically, if somebody really wants, listen, let's put it this way. The only scientist I ever saw that was honest about this was Aldous Huxley. He writes, he writes a fascinating thing. He says, I am invested in no God, because I don't want responsibility. And therefore, I will find every scientific reason to prove there's no God. That not to have a God. If every scientist began with that statement, one disclaimer, I'm invested in not being responsible, then I, I, would, I would respect that. See, they make it like it's an absolute. As a, let's be honest. It's based, there's a certain, there's a certain re- Why do we say the world is 5,772 years? Not because we have proof of 5,000, because that's what we're told. And if you bring other proof, we, we say it's not absolute proof. If, if, God, if the Torah said the world was 5 billion years old, it wouldn't change anything. The same God created. He made it for What do I care? We weren't around then anyway. I'm saying people misunderstand. It's not like you have to... We talked about this. You don't have to prove... You, you, you want to say that the theories of carbon dating or fossils or, or whatever... No. When, Moshe, when Adam and Chava were in the, in the Garden of Eden, they saw stars in the sky. Right there the debate began. The stars. How long did it take for the, for, for the light years? Yeah, so. I was asking a, a question of I mean, uh, do, 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 do we, does Taurus say... Species, except for both species going there, I mean, no species can evolve into a man, but species do evolve. Is that a true fact or not a fact? It could be. I don't say that it has to. In other words, there's nothing in Torah that contradicts no the possible. No bomb that's or around by that, or you know. Or no, you, you, sages or the I, haven't done, I haven't done thorough research. I know for sure that it's not a problem. But for sure, not a problem because I, I, I have to look in the Gemara, but there's no question. First of all, um, I'm trying to think for a moment. Like for, to explain the why camels have humps because they have more water, they carry water in the desert. Right. That's the way God created them. That they're, they're desert creatures and they will have more humps. Which means, what's wrong with saying if they hang around more in a desert, they, they may develop better humps. What's, why, why is that a problem? I mean, why, why is it a problem that, that, that a species should adjust to, to, to... Just like, I mean, just like... A, I, I know I've never seen it stated. I, I've never seen it stated specifically. The Rebbe just doesn't want. No, the Rebbe's main. There's no proof or disproof of God in natural phenomena. I'm not saying about proof or disproof. I'm just asking an actual fact. Do we say that the Torah says that yes, species do evolve into different species? It doesn't. It doesn't say anywhere. Uh, I, I I don't recall reading something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone found the Gemara or Maimon Chazal. Where you know you and, do, and in the Rebbe's writings, which are I don't, I don't remember the Rebbe's writings. That's it. No. Don't you think that's interesting to see that the Rebbe never actually said 
instant directly answer that question? Yeah, the whole thing in, in, in the ego says that Simon just said. Yeah, but not this. this doesn't, it doesn't say that. No, because the Rebbe wouldn't. The Rebbe's not into into trying to prove evolution. Not trying. To, he's just he doesn't want it to be a country. Can you show why it's not inconsistent. That's right. What you're saying that's all. I mean, there's no logical proof for the existence of God, despite what your teacher says, and there's no logical proof against the existence. Karl Popper said it very well. He said, "Scientific theory means you have to be able to disprove it." Saying God exists is not a scientific theory because you can't disprove it. Okay, but close. So let's go on. Let's go on here. Let me. Let me. I don't know how we got into this. Well, maybe by him, he feels he's convinced. So that's that. You know. Okay. So, so he's saying now the kav. Who's defining the structure? This is like a, this. Remember, this is winding down. He's finishing the conclusion of the whole structure of existence. So it's a very fundamental chapters here. So Kol Samadida, he says, is defined by the Kav. It creates, number one, the measurement, remember he said qualitative measurement, or even quantitative, of measure of degree of energy. Remember we said that Ma'elamata is also defined by their fundamental qualitative level. The Chochme should be so-and-so, and being a so-and-so. Everything is from the Kav. He just said that. So both. The measurement of how much energy will go into each level. And the fundamental difference between one and the other is all from the Kav. is because See, we're going back to that. Because the Kav in its root has ten spheres. And these are the ten hidden spheres. So it's not pshat that the kav, like the other interpretation, the other opinion in the kav, that the kav is air. And energy does not have spheres in it. They're pshutim, they're seamless. And when do they get shape? When they enter the containers. Like colorless fluid, liquid, in color, in tinted glasses. That's not the pshat. The kav itself has in it ten spheres. And therefore it can measure the amount of energy of these ten, and also and also define, distinguish their, their fundamental levels because it's rooted in the spheres, which is the ten, it's rooted in, because it has within it, in its root ten spheres, which, what these are called the ten hidden spheres. As he spoke much earlier at length, at length. Kav that implements it. The Kav is the one that, that says this is. Hakol who mina Kav. I'm not sure what you're saying. Without a Kav, there's no there's no existence. Let's put it this way. There's no listen. God, the artist envisions ten spheres. A Simpson conceals all the other options. The Kav is the carrier of everything here. Nothing happens after the Simpson without the Kav. The whole structure of existence, both its gradations in energy, more energy, less energy, and the distinction between Chachma Bina, all is carried through the Kav. See, God wanted to make existence, but he wanted to make existence in such a way that we can conceptualize it and crawl back up to God. That's, so that's the reason he made, made a Kav. So we can no, but the same question you could ask about the energy, more energy and less energy. In God's mind, he already envisioned that too. 
But no, nothing is implemented. The kav is the carrier of this whole. It's like the the agent, the transporter. But it's more than transporter. The kav itself has in the ten spheres. It's not just a carrier like blind. It has within it ten spheres, and it's like a it's a paintbrush that that has within it all the images that's going to come into the canvas. That's the distinction. In a paintbrush of an artist, it wouldn't have. This paintbrush has personality, okay. basically. It's not just the implementer. I just told you. It's the same thing. Why are you asking it about the fundamental levels and not about the measure of more or less? Why there don't you have that question? That doesn't bother you. Why? But the same thing, but also the, the fundamental levels. How, how, do they, how do they become? Who's, uh, who's determined what, what, what bothers me is that... What does that add? I mean, all of a sudden, you know, the mind and Mata... Now, he said a good point. Obviously, if the artist, God envisioned, God could have created the whole universe without a cob, without a symptom. He envisions a world, and then a world pops onto being out of nowhere. No medium. No, right. So then you don't have a say the You have God envisioning something, wanting it, and that's it. But but then you really don't have structure that we call structure. That's God can do anything. He can make structure. He can make no structure. There's some value in the structure. Firstly, we may never understand fully with the value, why it was important for God to have it, but it doesn't matter. Clearly, it's important. Maybe that's tachtainim, whatever it is. For it to, in any way for us to retrace the steps, we have to have a structure. There's no way. There's no way that, uh, that we would ever return and be reconnected if you didn't have a, a, a medium, as you just said, right? An interface. The whole thing is the interface at the end of the day. So the, I mean, he's not saying it right here, but earlier he definitely made it clear that all these forces are meant to uh, bring it into a creation that makes sense and for us to be able to retrace the steps, to reconnect. Basically, we have to ride the wave of the calf to get back to before the symptom, to God. It's the only way for us to go. It would be like God creating the world without giving us a Torah, God forbid. So what, what now? How do we even know what he wants? And how do we know how to get, how to, how to get there? There's no roadmap. So that's clear. God does not need any of this. But then, again, he wouldn't create a world with structure and seichel if he didn't need it or want it this way. He wants it this way. Remember, when we look through this, we're learning the logic, so to speak, that God created and used to create existence. That logic itself, by the way, is the structure of the ten spheres. That, there's a logic to it. Ten, not eleven, chesed, gvura, you know, these things make sense to us. Chesed is giving, Guru is withholding, Chachma, Bina. Okay. Now, now he's really summing up how the process works. Look, here's very nice. And the transmission of this medium, of this Kav, is through the Tzimtzum, the concealment. Pratis. That distinguishable and discernible spheres should be transmitted. Even though within the kav itself, the spheres are still not seamless and substanceless, relatively speaking. Remember, I mentioned nukudis, and this is what the kav has within it: a multitude of points, as we discussed in earlier chapter thirty-one where this whole discussion began about the Kudakav Shatach space. Let me just check it. Yeah, exactly. 
So what do we know? So in the Kav, which is level two, remember there's the three levels, the ten hidden spheres, the Kav. So the Kav is Hamida. Nevertheless, in the Kav, they have now become a measuring rod, a yardstick. The Kav is a Kav Hamida. Limdeid Muhusasvidis to measure the personality of the spheres, that it should be specifically like this, exclusively like this. And this measuring becomes increasingly visible and tangible and recognizable, distinguishable in the ten spheres and atzilis, the third level. Because they there manifest inside containers, like we discussed earlier, chapter 32. You see here from the chapters that he's saying, you see how he's summing up. Remember I said at the beginning, this is all a summation of all those chapters. It's a beautiful summation. Wow. By manifesting in containers, these energies become a metzias. They become now a concrete reality. Because they became a metzias. They're not just amorphous, nebulous, that's why they're also now they become a distinguishable level, a distinct entity. In, the, in defining them as hierarchy, higher, lower, I'm sorry, in their higher and lower, which means in their essence and in their level. Okay, one second. Let, let me just finish, and then you'll ask. Let me just finish the, the, the paragraph. And we can say, this is what it says in Yitzchayim. I think we lost the sound for a while. Okay, see the battery's dying. Fine. Let me. Uh, I don't know where we lost it. Huh? I would need to have a new battery if, if anything. It's in the bag there. You wanna? Yeah, you wanna bring because it's dying. It's dying. It's, you see the black bag? There's a small black bag there. So just because I'm not sure where we got stuck here. So basically I'll just say like this. He's essentially saying here that who defines now, after this piece in the Zayr that he brought, who defines the structure? Who's the carrier of the structure? He says the Kav. 
both in the revelation of higher and lo- of, of more or less energy, and also in the fundamental structure of of Chachma Bina and each of the spheres. And then he says, "I'm The transmission of the Kav comes through the Tzimtzum, the concealment. Because remember, the three levels were the Esser sphere, Sagnusis, the ten hidden spheres. It's all included in the vision of the cosmic artist, cosmic architect. Then the Kav, but the, the Kav then carries that. But the Kav has to come after the Tzimtzum because the Tzimtzum conceals the intensity or the bleak vul, so to speak, how it is all up in the source. So he says, that it transmits specific spheres, distinct spheres. And now he's going to speak the third level. Even though within the Kav there's still seamless, substanceless. And that's why the Kav, as he spoke in chapter 31, by the Kudde Kav Shetach, that the Kav is already aligned, but the Kav has within it a multitude of points. In chapter 31, Nevertheless, it's already now considered a measuring, a yardstick, a, me- a yardstick. That it's a kav hamida, a, a, a um, kav literally means a line, a thread, hamida that measures. To measure that the essence, the personality of the sphere should be specifically, exclusively so and not in a different way. And that becomes more apparent or increasingly apparent and recognizable, distinguishable in the ten spheres of Atsilis. Being that there they manifest in the containers. Like he discussed earlier, chapter 32. That through them coming into the containers they become a metzias, meaning a substance. And that's why they're also distinguishable and distinct entities, levels. In their, their, in their gradation, in their hierarchy. In their essence and in their level. So the three levels. The ten hidden spheres, where it's all amorphous still. The symptom conceals all the possibilities. Now the, the kav can now emerge and begin being the paintbrush that will paint these ten distinct, and that becomes very nicker and very obvious and concrete when it enters into the containers of Atsilis. That's why I said this is so clearly those three Finally levels he said before. Midah, Gvul, and Chum. And now, Yeshlem, we can say this is what it says in Eitzchayim, that through the Kav, the Netzolim are called the emanations are called ten midas, ten, ten attributes, and ten spheres. That is because there are ten spheres in distinct, separate personalities. I you could say qualities. I like personality because for me, personality doesn't necessarily mean people. Personality, a chesed has a personality. It's, it's, it's just a word, identity. If, if it's confusing, use identity. I would use identity, not quality. I'll tell you why I wouldn't use quality. Because qualities is already its so-called features. And identity is its... Muhus is more identity and personality than it is features, so to speak, or qualities. Again, this is English, trying to translate the concept, but... Muhusim nivdalim. Yuchadim. The cost of Shaman, and he writes there in Eitzchayim, Shazel, the Sibasayesi Kavdak, Veloi Bishabrus, Gedelo. 
that this is as a result of the Sibisi Yesi Kav, as a result of, because of it being a Kav Dak. That Kav Dak means a narrow thread, a narrow line. The Loi Bishabrus Gdela. See, for some reason I would think Bishrach was Gdela. It says Bishabrus. I have to look it up in Eitzchayim. Hishabrus means chibur, connected. Hishrachvuz would mean the opposite of dak, would be wide, expansive. But he says here for some reason, Bishabrus Gdela, and they don't correct it. I want to look it up. I mean, could also say Bishabrus, it's not with a, you know, not with a great connection to everything else. It's very separate, very distinct, separate line. But it could be, it means Bishabrus. I have to look it up. And we can interpret this in two ways. This eight chaim. Hal echad one way. Lefisham shachos al adet simsum liyeh svirus miyachodes, because the kav transmission comes through the concealment of the simsum, in order for there to be distinct spheres. So that's the first interpretation. In other words, what in the eight chaim vabeiz in the second interpretation yeshleimer, we can say al pimashin is baral el perich abzayin. According to what we discussed earlier, chapter 27, that the root of the energies they're united with the infinite divine light. And they are similar to the source of light. That was min konof. Which means it comes from the same material and it's connected to the tzitzis that he used. That tzitzis itself have to be separate from, they cannot be an extension of the talus, of the garment. But, they're connected to it, and min kanav, they come from the same material. So he explained before that the ten hidden spheres come from the same material as the air habligvul. The mishum zehim b'chinis and that's why they're, they're, they're uh, seamless, they're substanceless, they're shapeless. And nevertheless, they're not substanceless or shapeless like like Ainsaf itself, like the infinite itself. again. Yeah, that's the meaning of Ischabrus, not Ischabrus. Clearly, he's saying Ischabrus. And that's what he means that the kav is not Ischabrus, meaning it's not. It, it's, it's not like connected in a large way. would mean a big connection, basically, in a total unity. And through this, it becomes a kav hamida. And that's what makes it into a kav hamida, a, a a line that measures to measure the energies of the ten spheres for them to have measurement and parameters. So what's the difference between these two explanations? Basically, the Eitz Chaim says like this. That the Kav is the one that gives things definition. Clear. And the reason for it, these words is the reason. What's the reason why the Kav gives definition? Because the Kav is a narrow line and not a big attachment. So the Rebbe Rashab is wondering, what does this mean, not a big attachment? What is, it, what, what is the meaning? So the simple meaning is the first interpretation. The tzimtzum does something to the kav. So the kav is now a narrow kav and no longer has this whole connection to, to, the, to the energy before the tzimtzum. It's not as intense. And therefore it creates parameters. 
A second explanation, which apparently is a higher explanation, and a deeper one, is no. And we're not just talking about the Kav is Dak. We're talking about the Kav does, it has something, because the ten spheres, which is the root of the Kav, before the Tzimtzum, they are totally united with the Bligvul. And if that would be the case, there could not be the measurement, the definition and parameters of the ten spheres. So what he means, is talking about the, the, the shift, also happens to the symptom happens to be. But, but, but he's talking about, he's talking about not the Kav's connection to before the symptom. he's talking about the, the, the ten hidden spheres that are there before the symptom, the root of the Kav's connection to its source and all the infinite possibilities. That's the second interpretation. It basically comes down to this. Are we talking about a narrow kav or the kav as it's connected to what, or, or the energy as it's connected before the tzimtzum? Or we're talking about the root of the kav and its connection before the tzimtzum or how it comes into the kav where you have the ten distinct entities. You follow what I just said? Basically, the Chiddush and Ayin Bezis, or the emphasis is he wants to show that the ten spheres are all the way up into the root. The problem is in the root... They cannot become distinct entities, but they're there. So if you take away that picture of the ten hidden spheres, let's take like the shit of the Pardis. That the Esosphere the Sagnusis is the root of the containers, not the root of the energy. Then basically, the Yitzchayim is very simply understood one way. There's infinite energy, period, a symptom, and now a Kav comes and measures. But once you say the Kav has a root in ten spheres in the higher place, so he's saying the Eitz Chaim is hinting to that too. Because the way the ten spheres are before the Tzimtzum, which the first interpretation, you wouldn't need to say that, they're all connected, that's with Bishabruz Gedela, with all, like the Min Konof, like the Tzitzis. They're of the same material as the Er Habligvul. So when you're talking now, what is the Tzimtzum doing now? The Tzimtzum is also doing something else, not just revealing a thin Kav. It's concealing that connection to those infinite spheres, and just allowing ten spheres to emerge through the Kav. It, it's not a contradiction, these two interpretations. It's one is simpler, so to speak, and one goes Kav into the root itself. The Kav and Or also a container. No, the Kav is not a container. The Kav, cont- c- c- uh, the thickness within the R, the energy will create. The Rishima, he's made it very clear. The Gvul in the, in the Kav is not the Kayacha Gvul that creates containers. They're completely separate things. The point here in the whole, these chapters upon chapters, is that even energy has in it some particles. It's not a total wave. Okay, it's not, it's not, it's not partial. Oh, oh, it's not, sometimes you call it partial, sometimes it's not. In this case, no. Well, here, no, this, this whole Hemshech, it's not. Yeah. He wants to make that clear. Yeah. He's quite Basically, he's using the Etzchayim to... to, to, to to reinforce the position in this iron base. You see it again and again. He keeps insisting that the SS spheres go all the way up to the source before the symptom. Because you could say that SS spheres happen only after the symptom. Some you could say it only in the containers. Like I said, you could say the energy is like, is like a colorless liquid in tinted glasses. That's not what he wants to say. It absolutely has color. Think of it like the prism. The white light has the colors, but you don't see it until it's in the containers. So you're basically saying here like that. So that's what the Kav does. So the Kav does it either, the first interpretation, okay. Why does it say, or, that's or, the Vortaha. Or, 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 or,
Afterwards, he says Pshitus ain't safe, Mamish. Yeah, but then he says Pshitus ain't safe, Mamish. Then he says Pshitus ain't safe, Mamish. Look a few lines further. Yes. He says Pshitus ain't safe, Mamish. Look, everything the Lefne- are only going back to the level of Orz Ainsof, not Orz, not Ainsof itself. No, we don't say that. And for practical purposes, Ainsof and Or Ainsof are the same thing. Right. For all practical purposes, Ainsof and Or Ainsof are, are the same. There's no really reason to distinguish between the two. You could distinguish Atmos from Or. But here, I wouldn't make this distinction. Um, you're referring to Ainsef as higher than Ur. That's what you mean. He doesn't. I, I have not seen that. And I am based with sure not. I don't, I've never, I don't know if that's the way one would interpret it. Ainsef generally is just different ways of describing the same level. Ur is emphasizing the level of Ur. But remember, Atmos is Ain Tchila. You don't call Atmos Ainsef Mamish. You'd call Atmos Ain Tchila. That's really beyond Ainsef and beyond Ain Tchila. And I don't know if that would be an emphasis here. Maybe, you know, let's put it this way. Let me let me define the levels, okay? Earlier on, he said the following, okay? Let's talk, talk about Atmos for a moment. He said there's a level of air that's beyond spheres altogether. Then there's a level of air where you have Kaidim Alesa Ratzin, where you have spheres and kets. There can be infinite amount of spheres. And then you have a third level of air, which is Esospheres Agnusus, where he wills and desires and envisions ten spheres. All this is Lifniat Simpson. They're all called Er Sof. You could technically say, yeah, that Ein Sof Mamish would be, you know, Er Sof before the ten spheres is Ein Sof, like he says, Pshit is Ein Sof Mamish. But it's not a problem to say, call it Er Sof too. It's still Er Sof. Everything is Er. There's no such thing outside of Atmos that's not Er. I mean, there's Yesh, but Air is the is the ultimate conveyor. It's like the cob is the conveyor after the tzimtzum. Air is the conveyor, the carrier before the tzimtzum. It carries everything. It carries even that which air itself doesn't have. It carries even the power to create that comes from osmos. Air also carries that. So I, I wouldn't right now emphasize that, those the distinctions. Or, the or also makes the con- containers that it enters into. It doesn't make them. It it, it actualizes them. Yeah. The power to create containers travels through the air itself. It carries it. And the air has within it thickness that will ultimately bring it to shape. But at the end of the day, Kalim and air do have two different sources as they go up. What is the source? Of the source? The the within, within Atmos. It has two powers. They take two different tracks, yeah. It doesn't go through the air, it, everything goes to the air. The air carries even things it itself doesn't have uh, on its own. Okay, but it carries attractive from itself. Uh... We discussed it. We discussed this. There's this chapters that discussed this difference. Remember, air is gili and kelim are helim. So how could a gili create a helim? So you have to say that the keli comes from a place that's beyond air, but air reveals it. Air brings it into oh, being. Okay. So it's like the neshama and guf. The body... Is created by the soul? No, but it can't. But the soul gives it life that makes the fetus grow from a from a seed, from a fertilized egg, into a human being. 
And upon death, after Mevesh Mishana, the soul leaves, the body's still there. So, so two things the soul does. It gives life to the body, but also makes it grow. It carries its, it, 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 brings, it brings its substance into being, even though the root of the, like the neshama comes from God. The body, technically, as the Gemara says, comes from the parents. I'm talking about the, the substance of the body. But the, the way that Hashem made it was that the neshama reveals also that part. Right. So if we fly back, we do anyway through or and, 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 and the Kalim doesn't have to, it doesn't have to go through the elaborate He's made that because he didn't have to make a, he didn't have to make a, an accessible map in Kalim, so just boom. Why not? Because that's the way it is. Why? There's no climbing back with Kalim. There's no climbing back with Or. It's a hole. I have a whole bunch of articles on this. They say even more. Black, what they call black matter or black light or or dark matter, is all is the majority of the universe is dark matter. It's very consistent with Torah because the Torah says second pasuk, the tzimtzum is the dominating force in existence. Even though there's a light hidden in it all, but the tzimtzum is still the the dominant force, or else we wouldn't be where we are. <laughs> you know, in uh, so there's the expression. The second pasuk is va'eretz ha'isatayv va'yev v'cheshach apnei atahim. Translate cheshach apnei atahim. Tahim. Tahim means all the whole existence. That's what tahim means. All of existence. Cheshach apnei atahim. It's almost word for word. The darkness is. Is encompasses existence basically. In other words, existence is more dark than light. And then, and then God says, "Let there be light," and a ray of light, the kav, enters. Which makes sense. It also it pierces the. But the tzimtzum. Remember, the chassidus makes an itzchayim chassidus and ayin beis. Explain why did the tzimtzum have to be utter tzimtzum? Why couldn't he just leave a little light? That's Eitzchayim asked this question, and his answer is then existence can never come into being. So there had to be a total, total silence. For a blip, for a second, there has to be total darkness. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's so consistent. I, I have no doubt. That's why I'm a big passion of mine is if we can engage some real physicists in this discussion, you know, because at the end of the day, I know some physics, but I'm not, I don't have the credibility. But and I think you can come up with new theories. Absolutely, I have no doubt about this. You know, we come up with new theories, and that would be the biggest. That would be considered bringing it to the world. Imagine, because at the end of the day, this is theoretical uh, ideas. What do I mean by theoretical? It's negay and aveda, but I mean to say it's it's is understanding how things are in the root. And when Einstein and these guys sit and think, they're not sitting with formulas. They're they're imagining. They're using imagination. Higgs was an imagination based on his observations. He imagined like like now they start thinking. The mass of the universe. How far does it go? So when you start thinking from from a point of view of Chassidus and Kabbalah and Eitzchayim, it's unbelievable because Eitzchayim basically saying that there's a darkness 
Everything starts with light. We all know that. But then there's a total and utter concealment, which we call a black hole. But in it remains a residue, an impression. And then comes a kav. I mean, these are just, you know, the, the, the implications of such a model are, are, can be unbelievable if applied to, 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 to science. I have no doubt about it. Because there's, there's so many commonalities, so many similarities. So all you need is one physicist to say, I learned I am base, and it gave me an idea, and this idea is then proven. That, that, what, what, what would that mean for Yifutzman uh, Tell me. Just one thing like that. Once. Then we'll start looking at base for more secrets, you know, of existence. Are you prepared to start teaching a class of physicists if I think together? I would love to, but it has to be, they have to be interested. <laughs> but why would they want to do it? Why? No, I mean, they're looking for inspiration all the time. Okay. I'd definitely be open to teaching. I definitely. You don't need from nothing. Better that it's not from actually. Right. I, I, again, I go back to the thing. There's a certain immature attitude. Who cares if he's, if he's not from us even better? You think a, a, an open-minded guy sees an idea. He doesn't have to. So, what does from mean anyway? Prum is not as good because what is going to happen is it, it, it'll be dismissed. It'll be dismissed uh, as a. I found it out of some mathematical equation, and he's now attributing time uh-huh. raising credibility to, to religion. Right, it's going to be dismissed, exactly. I, I, I am positive. Not only that, it would, not only would it add, it would add both ways. It would add to Chassidus and it would add to science. That's the beauty of it. Because I would love to hear a physicist explain some of these ideas. They probably would help us understand the chassidus of it. You know, like even this whole thing of wave and particle light, is light have, you know, yesterday I, was, I actually meeting, I met a guy, he was at my table, he reminded me he's Israeli. He's now getting a doctorate in mathematics. University of, Hebrew University. So I was talking to him, he's very familiar with these ideas. So I said to him, so he gave me a very interesting explanation of wave I never heard before. The difference between a wave and a particle. It was very fascinating. The interesting thing with a wave is that a wave is invisible. And a particle is not. Like, an, like, a, like a, a, a screen cannot block a wave. It can block a particle. Yeah, that's how we experiment. Right, that's how the experiments go. Because a wave is really... Nothing moves with a wave. A wave is just carrying something, but in a particle, something is actually moving, let's say, from here to here. A wave is just a flow. And objects on the wave will not change their position unless there's a factor that's outside of the wave. So a wave is like really like a carrier energy. It's almost like a field of energy as opposed to a, a thing that's defined by space. The way he, he defined it was very interesting. It was, he, he told me real differences between wave and... I don't know if he's a physicist. He knows. I don't know what his actual his credentials. I was looking, by the way, uh, Brother Jacobson, for your chapter. I missed the class 
Um, how does anything new be created? I heard about it. Chapter 311, I think it is. Yeah. But I didn't see it. I went to YouTube on the time basis. It's there, 311. We, yeah, we, we did it, yeah. It's not online. Yeah, there's two different ways how to get it. Yeah. Sometimes there's one that goes Just write chapter 311. It'll come up. And it didn't come up? I'll show it to you afterwards. Did you, did, it, did you wait a few days afterwards? No, maybe. It took a few days. That's why. It took a few days because it was a, it's a longer class. Let me finish the mimer here. It's the mimer coming up. It's Shema Mishpat Tapad. This is a Dvorim mimer for Shabbos Chazan, two weeks from now. Okay. So we have here, he just concluded a very, very critical chapter because it's a summer, summation of the whole discussion of... Over- go ahead, go ahead, ask. What is... Well, what it says this, like, no, this is Dvorim, Dvorim. Well, that was Pinchot, yeah. The Kav So chapter 38 discusses this directly, what you're saying. I'll sum it up for you. But you can look at you can study it yourself also. Okay. Basically, and, and not only 38, actually, 38 and on. He discusses this at length. Briefly, what he says is the following. First, he begins by defining levels, the hierarchy, by degree of energy. Okay? Then he says these words. Look at the bottom of page Samagdalad. Okay. Three lines from the bottom. He says, Everything here until now we talked was about the evolution, in other words, the grade of the levels in Ribuyim in, in intensity and diminishment, the degree of energy. The fundamental nature of really what's the hierarchy is not just that one is more energy. Top of Samachay. Yeah. And goes on to say that that's what determines why they have more or less energy. Because they're fundamentally different levels. Okay? And these are fundamentally different levels in their qualities, meaning that chesed is high. So now, you know, so, so now I'm going to explain now your question. Basically, the answer to it is that God, that's, that's exactly the God's plan. There's no outside force but God that determines the central difference between chesed and gvura. And which is higher and lower. Which is... Um, and that will determine why it's higher and lower. No, that's just like he speaks. Intelligence is higher than emotions. And he explains many reasons why. The pri- one of the primary reasons is because intelligence does not think about what it's, what's in it for me. 
it thinks about the objective idea. That that quality of intelligence over emotions is the way God envisioned it to be. Because intelligence is, so to speak, closer to um, closer to the divine, that's why we'll have more energy, and Midas will have less energy. So basically, what will determine something to be higher on the Kav or lower on the Kav is defined by its personality, the way God's identity, the way God wanted it to be. So really what you're really saying is that the structure of existence is rooted all the way, that's exactly what he's trying to point in Ayin Beis, all the way into the Godhead, so to speak, into the envisioning of the artist himself. So Chesed and Gvur is not an incidental thing that happened after the Tzimtzum or the Kalim or, uh, you know, in this world. Identity and diversity goes all the way into Atzimus itself. That's really the end bottom line. So your question is an excellent question. It's exactly what he wants to say here. Where in other Maimorim, you could explain otherwise. In other Kabbalim, you could say the distinction of entities is more of a, 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 we call it circumstantial or incidental. You know what that means? That means that you doing your Aveda and me doing my Aveda differently is Negeyan Atmos itself. Not just... For our, for you know, for your personality, you need, you know, for your, it's, it's the distinction goes all the way to the root itself. So that's why Atzmas, that's where Mashiach comes. Diversity remains. You have the Rebbe brings the pasuk. It says, "Kulim yedu esi lemektanum vagdelam." It says, "Lo yilamdu ish ayid ish es chaveri." No one will teach another's friend. Ki kulim yedu esi. All will know me. Miktanam vagdelam from small to large. The Rebbe says. It's if everyone knows you and there's no one teaching each other, why is there a cut and a gadol? The answer is because the cut, there'll still be a cut and a gadol. It won't become one clone. It won't become one big. Uh, uh, you know, unity doesn't mean uh, unity is harmony within diversity, basically, and that's that's a very fundamental part to Chassidus Chabad, and especially later Maimarim. I could say you could make an argument philosophically that. That at a certain stage we need to have the distinctions, but then as we come to the light, Mashiach comes, the distinctions rainbow, will melt away. The you know, no, 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 no. Everyone agrees that you need to go through distinction because God created us as distinguished individuals. The question is, is that fundamental? Or at some point, in the beginning, you and I are different, but then we both become a Kabbalah style and we're equal. Just like, no difference whether you chop wood or you do a mitzvah. merge into the infinite life. Right, exactly. And infinity, and the infinite, the infinity is the dominating force. And the answer is no. The finite is. In Samach Vav, by the way, it leans more to Ben Shanasa Eved, that even those that have Giluim, their ultimate goal is Kabbalah and Eved and losing your identity. And Ayin Bey is the exact opposite, bringing it into identity. It's not a stira, by the way. It's like almost two stages of Avedim. Let's put it this way. You want to have it really spelled out? Interesting uh, mind experiment. The Rebbe Conundrum. Who learns with more effort? A person who uses his mind and wants to understand the Gemara or Chesedis, or a person who does it out of Kabbalah sale? So initially you would argue, a person in Kabbalah sale doesn't really make a difference. Whatever God says, he's going to do it because God wants me to do it. Person with a mind, there he's, he's his mind is interested, so he's you know, so shalayla shema fine, but he's going to be. And the Rebbe says no. If you really have kabbalah sale, God says, I want you to harav in the Torah. 
So it makes your mind work better because the one with the mind is going to get stopped when he's interested, when he's when he's satiated. He's going to stop. You know, and I'm not. I'm, I'm already finished. I, I filled my uh, right. Where's the cup also? My point that I'm trying to say is that, but pastors, you could say an eved doesn't really make a difference. Like it says, you shouldn't be shaykel. You shouldn't measure which mitzvah. What difference does it make? Tefillin, Shabbos, Kashrus. It's all God's rotsnalyan. Yet, we say clearly, God wants you to have a kavana protis, and now you're doing this mitzvah, and this mitzvah is not that mitzvah. The question is distinction. How important is it? Or is it more important for us to ultimately come to recognize it's all rotsnalyan, and you're eved pashit. And God says to you, I want you to go uh, bring me food. The king says, food. Or go bring me treasures. It makes no difference. Or clean up the, the room. It's God's will. Who cares what, what, how it manifests? So you could argue that the main focus is God's will, and the details are important because God wants us to refine the world. But when it comes to the end of the day, it's like you said, into the infinite light. And at the end of the day, real Ahdus Hashem is that diversity is just as important as the, as the commonality. And that's why the distinction, exactly how to do both, that's the, and, the, and, and the, the challenge is how those work together. How the bligvul and the gvul now ultimately comes down to because God is neither bligvul nor gvul, so don't make him more bligvul than he is gvul. The same God that unites it all also distinguishes it between them. So who says that's more important than this? It's fascinating uh, in the whole concept of it, of course. Now let's just end the mimer, right? According to above, so this is good preparation. I have some material for Shabbos Chazayin. We'll understand what it says. The beginning of the mimer. Tzion means a sign. When the Rebbe says Askral Tzion, so the Rebbe's literally every note he ever wrote signed off with Askral Tzion. Tzion is really a marking, a marker. When you mark, like say a gravestone, so we call it a tzion. So he says the word tzion is from the word sign, like a marker. Mark for me signposts. The koyala mitzvahs, they go on the mitzvahs, they, they refer to mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are a sign and a signpost, a marker and a sign. On the infinite divine light that's higher than Ishtalshlus. And this is also why mitzvahs are called edus, like witnesses. You know, commemorative. You know, we know there's mitzvahs, there's mishpatim, edus, and chukim, right? So mitzvahs also. They're referring to mitzvahs. Now, because Eidus, so-called a witness, it's a posik. I think that the Rambam brings it, not this one, he brings a different expression. I'm not sure, I think it's in Tehillim. Eidus, witness, is shayach, is, is possible on something that's concealed. The koma shenir v'nigla had ein tzorech al Because everything that is revealed and, and apparent you don't need to have a witness for it. You see it. You don't need something to, to mark it. Even something that is not revealed right now, but it's a thing that will be revealed. 
It's just a matter of time. You don't need witness for something that's revealed or something that's about to become or, or ultimately will become revealed. You need a thing on witness on something that is concealed and hidden. Of that you need a witness. Which just means that Edus reveals a secret thing, a hidden thing. The same thing as Lamaila. You know, that's an example down here below. Also above, what is Edus? Is legal is because Edus of Stima, the Kol Stiman. Edus is to reveal the infinite divine light that is hidden within all hidden, with all concealments, concealed within all concealments. That's concealed and hidden from the structure of existence, and it's revealed through the Edus. What are these Edus? The Hain Hamitzvus. These are the Mitzvus. Shahin Rotsna Alien. The mitzvahs are the, the supernal divine will. Mitzvahs reveal are the divine will, and they reveal the hidden, of, concealed of all concealed states of the infinite divine light. And this is also why it's called Tzion. Remember Tzion, it says it's like Edus. Because they're a marker and a sign for the infinite divine light. That is hidden, concealed and hidden. Shebehem, uh, I'm sorry. It's a sign. It's a marker and a sign for the infinite divine light which is concealed and hidden. Shebehem, through these signs. Shebehem, with them and through them, this hidden thing gets revealed, radiates. So now the first thing we know is mitzvahs do that. Now he's going to say someone else does it also. Also in the Yisrael, the Neshamis of Israel, are also called Tzion. They too are a marker and a sign for the infinite light that's higher than the stru- than cosmic order. This is the hidden power, the concealed and hidden power that's inside of souls. This is the will of the heart, which is like the 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 seamless the what did I say poshet before substance the shapeless the the simple rotsen that's higher than logic and intelligence this is the primary part of the divine which is in the souls. That's why Yisrael is called Sar Kale. Sar Kale means a, uh, what's a Sar? A Har. Uh, a, a, an officer, minister of God. The word Yisrael, Kale, Sar Kale. Like it says elsewhere. There's only is found in these Nishamas, in these souls. And they and these are witnesses and signs for the infinite divine light that's concealed and hidden. The Mishum Shesherish in Yerushalayim, the Misham, sorry, the Misham, because in that concealed place is the root for the union of Yerushalayim of that will of the heart. And through that desire of the heart. Within those souls reveals the infinite divine hidden light. 
And this is what the Pasuk says, Tzien is that inner desire that's higher than any logic. It's just a desire to connect and be one with God. How can you come to this Tzien? How do you come to it? Mishpat. That comes through Mishpat. What's Mishpat? The Mishpat who Shabbat Besedev Adragev Haina Ba'er Primi Shabbat Besedev Shtashlos. In order to come to this concealed state, to reveal it, you have to go through the structure of existence. The Ayer Primi. So exactly what we're talking about here. Why Ayer Primi is so vital. Shabbat Besedev Shtashlos Besedev Adragev Demayla Mata. That's absolutely structured with a hierarchy of higher and lower. And through the immersion and working through the inner integrated energy within the structure, that's how you get to beyond the structure. That's why Tzien B'mishpet Tipada. How is it freed? How is it redeemed Tzien? The hidden through going through the structure. It's exactly what we're talking about. You don't get through the infinite light by staying infinite. You get through infinite light by going through the finite structure. That's mishpat. That's why mishpat means measure. What does mishpat mean? You know, it's like it's a mishpat defines, judges, the uh, measures, limits. Baveda, what is it? Naveda. Baveda shall In Aveda, in a person's service, it means first you have to have the work. Apitambadas. That is based on your intelligence and logic. That's within your internal faculties, the mind and the heart. And through that, you come to the desire of the heart that's higher than Tam Vedas. So now you define first Mishpat as Seder Shtashos. Now you say Mishpat, which means literally law, or Mishpat can be study uh, Torah, like the Rebbe speaks about, when he speaks about the nine days, in the three weeks, he says, that we should add in learning Torah. Mishpat is Torah, halachas. It gets to a critical mass and they have fish. And zdaka and adding in charity, which is this period in time now. So Mishpat is the Torah, Shanikra Mishpat. Torah is called Mishpat. Like it says in the post, like the first judgment, like the original halacha. So we see clearly it's compared to halacha. Now what's the connection of Mishpat to Teirah? Teirah is not mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, as we said, is Ratzon God's desire. Torah is Erpnimi, is internalized because it says Torah. Torah comes out of Chachma. Chachma is the first of the ten spheres of the structure. That's what it says in Yerushalmi. That's what it says in Yerushalmi in the Gemara. Chazar na kolamikra We 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 reviewed all of the pesukim, the whole Torah. V'leimetzin Yisrael niklatzin el b'mokim hazeh. And we have not found anywhere that Jews are called tzayin. Only in this place here. Only in. I guess in Simba Mishpat. Oh, so no, no. He says here. V'asim dvari beficha b'tzel yadi. And I will place my words into your mouth, Ubitzel Yodi, in the shadow of my arm. Yeah. Well, Lema, let's see an Ami Ata. And I will say to Tsiyan, you are my nation. And that was the only time that Jews are called Zion, interestingly. Interestingly. Where is that 
It's Yerushalmi. It's Yerushalmi. Where's this pasuk? This pasuk is in. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's Asim Dvarim B'Ficha. Not sure. It's not in the Haftar. No, the Lemitzin Lamiata. I have to look it up. The Hain Tate of Aveda, the Gemilis Chasodim. And this is the three Kavim. Tate of Aveda, Gemilis Chasodim, Shadezehim, Bibkinisian. These three things, Asim Dwari Bifikha, with Sel Yodi, Lemitzin Lamiata, he says is Tate of Aveda, Gemilis Chasodim, study of Torah. It doesn't spell out why. Through this, the Jews are become the Nisham has become a level of Tzion. V'zeh Tzion b'mishpatipode. In other words, like this: When Asim Dvari b'Picha, when I will put my words in your mouth, that's Teira. U'bitzel Yodi, I'm sure that's Aveda. V'leiv l'Tzion Ami Ata. Not sure where Milch Chasodim here is, but clearly the, the it's on the Yerushalmi. That seeing is connected to the fact that we, that God puts His words of Torah in our mouths. That is seeing by mishpat tepada. That through mishpat, through Torah, seeing emerges. In other words, through pnimi, through eres pnimim, you reveal the deeper dimension, the hidden dimension. Now comes the second part: v'shavah b'tzdaka, and its captives will be redeemed through charity. This goes v'koi v'shavah b'tzdaka v'koi al naran. This goes on nefeshuch and nefshama shein akeches pnimim. These are the internal faculties. To bezei yochali is between his There you can be at a level of golus. That's why you need redemption. Where is there possible golus and uh, displacement? Only in a place which is revealed. Internal powers, internal faculties. To bezei yochali is between his golus bekeches the nefesh abamish shemiz gabrim ala keches nefesh alikis. There there can be girls that the faculties of the animal soul that overpower and dominate over the faculties of the divine soul. And they conceal and hide them. And the redemption is who comes to Tzedakah. What is the Aved of Tzedakah? That is the awakening, the arousal of these intense Rachmim Rabim, which means abundant compassion. Because through that becomes the, revel- the revealing of the faculties of the divine soul. Like it says, with your abundant compassion, please have mercy on us. And give us bina into our hearts. Give us understanding, discernment into our hearts. That's uh, that's seen by Mishpat. That's b'shavel b'zdaka. Then he concludes. Zel seen by Mishpat depada. This is the meaning seen by Mishpat. The b'chadeshi year has galus b'chinus etzim and shama b'chinus rusa deliva liba rusa deliba. In order for there to be the revelation of the essence of the soul, that there should be the desire of the, which is the level of the essence, desire of the heart. Zel idea Mishpat. This comes through Mishpat. Through the primi, the Torah. Kitzarachlis tchili is galus keiches aprimim, because first you need to have the revelation of the internal faculty. Shazayin mishpat liyesim b'seidet vadraga. That's the end of mishpat that they should be in organized. It shouldn't just be free for all chaotic. V'shavah hainu kashet slichim lehetzim emaiser. Aha, 
See, but seeing Bamishbat it doesn't say Shaver, it doesn't say anyone's a captive. Now, the Shaver, the captives, that's when, when is that possible? When you have to redeem and free and liberate from prison, from Meiser, from prison, and from concealment, the inner faculties of the divine soul, that's through Tzedakah, charity. That's the awakening arousal of the abundant compassions. One second. One second. So you see, he adds something. Even though this piece was added later, not in the flow of the Hemshech. But you see here, he really drives the point home how Erpinimi is so vital. You cannot get... It's not only... You need to refine. Not only that, you need to yeah, permeate. To God, you have to go through it, but also here, as to be at Sion, to be assigned for the for Hashem, we need to we need to reveal. Start with our hamadreigas and premium, yeah. Which is why it's so important, also, that it's rooted in the essence for Sagnus. It's all the way up there. Because if it wasn't, you could say, you know what? Huh? Right, because who says you need the details or the the premiums? Primis is only the Kalim. But since it's all rooted, because even in the Etzim, to get, you have to go through the Esosphere, Sagnusis. Yeah, because they're, 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 they're root. Kitzit, the summary, Ubezeir, Isa, and Zeir, it says, the Bechol, Sviri, Yashmid, the Vagvul, Vatchum. You're right, it doesn't mention here, Shem Yedir. Every sphere has a Mida, a measurement, a Gvul, a parameter, and Tchum, a boundary. So he says, Mide is be'etzem adregosan. Mide is the essence of the level, the essential level. Gvulu eifen hagili. I add something. Eifen hagili, the way it's measured. The way it's the way it's revealed. V'tchum hu hamiut b'shvil atzilus amadregish alamata. And tchum, the boundary. Before he said, is the kalim. But he basically said it's the diminishing in order for the emanation of the lower levels to be able to 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 to, to emanate. The close He said that was in the He said it before that part, but only the second half of it. He doesn't mention Kalim here. Right. Here he doesn't mention Kalim. Okay. And close Samadid, the general measurement comes through the Kav, the line. Because of its root in the ten hidden spheres. And according to the above, we understand the Posik, explain the Posik of Tzian B'mishpat Tepad. This is, I just love this stuff. Okay, so we conclude here. We did. Chapter 44. It's the last chapter in Maimur Discourse 11, Simba Mishpatipoda. Pages were 